as I look back on my career, there are so many times where I was afraid, but I never wanted to admit it because I thought it would make me look weak or vulnerable. And what I realized in all those moments, whether it was walking up the ramp to the Air Force Academy or walking into my fighter squadron on day one, taking off on a tough close air support mission, or, or even things related to my kids with my husband deploying for a year and I was the mom at home, like all of those moments, I felt fear. I was worried. I was nervous about it. The fear, those feelings aren't what matter. Like it's about taking action, acknowledging it, but taking action in the face of fear. It was, it was all about what you do in those moments that truly matters the most. It's all about doing it anyway, right? Being afraid and doing it anyway. Hi friends, welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from hand-picked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lip Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz. Today I have on Killer Chick. Super, super stoked about having you on Kim Casey, quote, Killer Chick Campbell. Um, I've often wondered what the Casey stood for. I knew it wasn't Kim Campbell, but I didn't, I just did, I never asked you. I never, I never asked you. So everybody grab your journals because this is going to be a very enlightening, amazing conversation uh, with another fighter pilot. Like, I love this. This is so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you know, everybody just assumes that Casey is my initials, but um, yeah, there's more to the story. There's always more to the story for pretty it's much always. any fighter pilot call sign. Well, I think there's like, let's start there because there's always more to the story with everything. Yeah. You and I were just talking before we jumped on about um, our love-hate relationship with social media mm-hmm. and how the, for me, I was, I was explaining to you how I've had people that have made assumptions or have, uh, requests and, or, um, expectations without understanding the full story behind the scene. And so for me, that's like pulling back the layers and, and also developing a better understanding of patients, um, and, and a better understanding of, uh, you know, giving grace and, I, you know, we're going to be diving into an awful lot of stuff within this conversation. And I love the fact that we just started there. So there you go. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where I want to say a little bit about yourself. Let's start with the woman that you are now, and then we're going to yeah. backtrack into what got you to this space of where you are now and then moving forward. So tell us a little bit about you, killer chick you. Yeah. So I just retired from the Air Force after 24, over 24 years of service. I spent most of that time flying airplanes, flying the A-10 Warthog, which is a close air support aircraft, meaning we support our troops on the ground. But I also had a lot of leadership roles and positions and the opportunity to lead teams. Um, And I think my favorite assignment, I I went to the Air Force Academy as a cadet. Uh, I graduated there in 1997. And I was able to finish out my career there. So fast forward, you know, 24 years and I'm right back where I started. It is where I met my husband. 
Um, so I really felt like life came full circle to have the opportunity to go back uh, to work with our next generation of leaders. And um, it was really a fantastic opportunity to give back, go back where I started um, as uh, I was the director of the Center for Character and Leadership Development. So really got to get engaged with our cadets and help them in their leadership journey. So a really great way to close out my career of 24 years. Wow, that's fantastic. My brother was accepted into the Air Force Academy. He went ROTC and flew F-15s. So yeah. I thought long and hard about that as well. I I, I really wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. It had been my goal since I was a little girl. Uh, And uh, well, let's just say the path doesn't always go as we planned, right? So I worked really hard to get into the Air Force Academy and um, got a rejection letter instead. And, you know, it was crushing. It was really difficult. And, you know, at the time I had actually um, thought about going to UC San Diego on an ROTC scholarship, kind of had that plan set. I think I even had a dorm room. Um, But at the same time, this goal of mine of going to the academy was just I couldn't let go of it because it was what I wanted. So I decided I would write the Air Force Academy every week and just let them know I'm still interested. You know, hey, if somebody turns down their appointment, here I am. Uh, and eventually got an acceptance letter just two weeks before I was supposed to report to basic training. So I don't know. I just think about like what, how differently my life could have turned out based on those two paths. Okay. Wait a second. Okay, <laughs> Back the truck up. Okay. So you didn't accept the no, you were determined yeah. to step into the, it's not even a maybe you just knew. You just, I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you, that it was like, no, I just know that this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I felt like it was, you know, I had set this goal in fifth grade that this is what I wanted to go do. And I just, I had worked so hard for it. And I, you know, I had prepared, I had both mentally and physically, I had like done everything. So to hear the word no you know, and I read the rejection letter and I'm sure, I'm sure it said something nice about it being a competitive process, but I read it as like, you're not good enough. And I was like, well, wait a second. I am, I worked my ass off for this. Like I just, you know, I, I didn't want to take no. And thankfully I also had really supportive people around me who were like, Kim, this is, if this is what you want, then go for it. Don't quit on this dream of yours. Um, and so I, I didn't, I wrote these letters and they actually read them because Um, when I finally got to the Air Force Academy, after I got accepted and made it through basic training, I got a note one day to report up to the admissions office because they wanted to meet me. They were like, who's this girl that wrote all these letters to us? Um, And so they actually read the letters and they said, uh, I remember this to the day, they were like, every time we got your letter, we put a little smiley face on it and put it on the the director of admissions on his desk. (laughs) Wow. So persistence pays off. Yeah, for sure. And repetition is key. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, wow. So keep showing up. So you, okay. Do you still, I have to ask this. Do you still have the rejection letter? Oh yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. And why did you keep the rejection letter? I'm just curious. Well, I think like once I got there, I kind of wanted to prove that I belonged, that I had, that I was worth the acceptance, right? Like I was going to show them. I, I guess I use that little bit of rejection rejection as more motivation for me. Like mm-hmm. I belong here. Like I know I did. I was just going to show them that they, you know, by accepting me that, that I did, you know, that they did the right thing, that I was the right person to bring in. And 
So I saved it. Yeah, I saved it. I and I have well, I've um come I've on back on it a few times, kind of like <laughs> just because say, come on, come on. You never know, like the path that your life is gonna take. And you know, I ended up graduating at the Air Force Academy. In the top of my class, I was the cadet wing commander in charge of all 4,000 cadets. And it was like, you know what? Sometimes those SAT scores, let's just put that out there. Like my SAT scores were not good. Like that wasn't, <laughs> that is not the indication of how you would perform, even though that those were like the standard back then. Yeah. Um, I just, I knew I wasn't going to go there and do average. I wanted to go there and excel. Wow. And did you handwrite these letters to them every week? Of course. Yeah. That's what we did back then. We actually handwrote letters. Yeah. And you sent it off every single week and said, yeah. Hey, yeah, what did you I'm write? still interested or I can do 10 more pushups, you know, five more pull-ups. I got an A on a test. I was just like anything to let them know that I hadn't quit, that I was still interested uh, to the point that I was going to go to the Air Force Academy on what we call our, you know, it's uh, the initial day where you show up for basic training. Like I was just going to show up and be like, Hey, if someone decides they're not going to get off the bus, like I'm here, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I don't know if it would have worked, but. Well, the reason, and I know I'm at, I know that I'm spending some time on this there. The reason why though, is because we overlook the simplest of things that can make the biggest change in our life. Yeah. And, and this is why I tell everybody, it's not the freaking destination. Well, we all know what our destination is. We're going to die. Okay. Yeah. Like we all know that it's not even about the journey. It's about the moments and the lessons within those moments that alter the sh and shift every single direction within your life. And so yeah. I love the fact that you took this and you were like, Nope, I'm not, I'm, I'm not accepting a no. I'm simply not going to accept a no. And here is what I'm going to do to get my yes. It's not even a maybe. It's just, this is a yes. And I deserve to be here and I belong here. And how many of us would write off ourselves because of one letter that was sent to you and then believe that we didn't belong there for the rest of our life? Yeah. In reality, you belong there. There's yeah, a, there I think I knew I did. Sitting at the table for you. Yeah. You have to actually sometimes take those extra steps to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look back on that and I, you know, you just think about the opportunities I would have missed, you know, the different path that my life would have taken. And I just, I'm grateful that people also, you know, were that around me to encourage me, you know, to be that positive reinforcement for me. Um, it was just, it was a big turning point, you know, for me in terms of not quitting and not giving up on something and just pushing forward because I absolutely knew it was what I wanted. Well, here's the other thing that I just want to point out is it's not only the opportunities that you would have missed, but the opportunities that all of those people whose lives you've touched yeah. would have missed. And that's where I always go to. I always go to, I mean, I'm in it right now with speaking. I'm like, how do I get more gigs? How do I get out there more? How do I, how do I, how do I? And there's been nights where I've laid in bed last night being one of them where I was like, you know, maybe I'll just fold everything up and just go back to sleep, you know? <laughs> and, and and this, the thing is though, is that we have those moments of wanting to fold. I don't care how old you are. I talk about them. A lot of people don't talk about them. I talk about them. And then I lay in bed and I think, okay. Well, all of those lives who's who, who the people who I have touched already and the people whose lives need to be touched in the present and future. And how do I just walk away from that? You know? Yeah. And so I love that way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, how do you just walk away from that when you're when you already know the lives that you've touched? 
and you can see the impact. And then, well, what about those people that are waiting for you? Like they're just literally waiting for you. So stepping is stepping in is huge. And one of the things that we talked about it in before we jumped on is being brave and doing it afraid. Yeah. So go back to fifth grade. What the <laughs> heck made you want to be? What the heck? Was I know. Like um, standing standing in the field, looking up, seeing these jets, and you're like, I want to be that. <laughs> what, what happened? Close, close. Really? I, um, I so fifth grade, 1986 for me, clearly dating myself here and all of this. But um, I'm, I'm 49, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. So fifth grade for me was the launch of the Space Shuttle Challenger. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And I don't know why. I mean, I still struggle with it today of like, that moment of watching the Challenger launch and being so excited and just this thrill of flight and then to watch it unfold in this terrible tragedy, there was something about that moment that like, it hit me like these astronauts died doing something that they believed in, something that was bigger, that was more important than themselves that they were, you know, they were willing to give, give their lives for. Like it was that important to them. Yeah. Um, and it, there was something in that moment that just connected me with that idea and, uh, you know, watching it with my parents and talking about, you know, to my parents about it, I decided then I was like, I'm going to be an astronaut. And my dad, my dad, I, I think, you know, the kids, kids say a lot of things about they, what they want to do in life. My kids are doing the same thing. And he was like, well, if you want to be an astronaut, then a lot of the astronauts are pilots and a lot of pilots go to the air force Academy. So it might be something you know, that might be a path you want to take. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I, it was like, I flipped a switch. My parents were like, all of a sudden I, you know, I would do my homework. I wouldn't complain. I started getting very involved in all sorts of different activities because this was my path. You know, this is what I wanted to do. Wow. You're an empath. <laughs> you, uh, clearly. I mean, I, I actually remember that. I remember where I was too. I was sitting in Mr. E's, uh, um, in the room in mystery's class watching it. And he was, he had, do you remember that's actually teachers had applied. There were teachers on that, that had applied. Yeah, Krista McAuliffe was on the, was on the shuttle that day. Yep. And he had applied and was, uh, he had actually made one of the top, like wow. he had gone in for the interviews. And so watching it, I remember his reaction to it because it would have been, you know, he wanted to be on that. He wanted wow. to be on that. Yeah. As it took off. And so yeah, it was definitely, that was a devastating and also completely life-changing day for so many people. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I'm not the only one with this story. Like that moment impacted people and drove them to do different things in their life. than I think that maybe they were on the original path. I mean, I just think of what a legacy those astronauts left behind, you know, and, and so many of us that have you know, work to follow in their footsteps or, you know, engineering or whatever it is that people have decided to do. I just, you know, it's a legacy that they left behind for the rest of us. Well, and look at how many lives that they've touched, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it's, where it's now we've all shifted because of it. Yeah. So you decide that you're going to become a fighter pilot. You go into mm -hmm. the Air Force Academy. Clearly you worked your way, <laughs> worked your way in and you were going to yeah. get regardless. So tell us a little bit about what it was like for you being the female in a world that is dominated by males. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about this, right, is so 1986, when I decided that this, this, that this was my goal, like women weren't allowed to be fighter pilots. I had, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know that. It didn't make sense to me because here there were women in the space shuttle. Like, why wouldn't women be allowed to be fighter pilots? And 
my parents never told me that they just told me to work hard and go after what I wanted. And, you know, I did. And, you know, obviously I realized that later and thankfully the path for women to become fighter pilots opened up right as I graduated high school. So the timing was great for me. Um, but I was still one of very few women. And, um, I, I will say that I walked into my fighter squadron on day one. I knew that I was going to be the only female fighter pilot in the squadron. I think I was one of about, I don't know, we'll call it like 33 female fighter pilots in the air force out of about 3,500 fighter pilots. So I knew I was a bit of an anomaly and I will tell you, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I, um, these are my words. I didn't want to ruin it for all the women that followed me. Like if I made a mistake, if I didn't meet expectations, like that's how I felt. That was pressure that I put on myself. Um, but it's not pressure that other people were putting on me. That was me of wanting, you know, this fear of maybe not meeting expectations or fear of failure in it. But I just decided in that moment, right? Yes, I was afraid walking in there because of all, you know, these things and this pressure that I had placed on myself, but I kept walking, right? I kept, I, I went in the door and I was like, I'm just going to be credible. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to maintain a good attitude. I'm going to study. I'm going to put all that work in, you know, and the truth is right. Like any new person in a, in a unit, in a team, in an organization is, is there's some judgment, right? It's going to be like, well, can they perform? You know, who are they? What, you know, what do they stand for? And there's this unknown. And I think what I realized over time was, well, first off, the jet doesn't care the difference about who's flying it. And, you know, the reality was the guys in my squadron didn't care either. They cared that I was credible, that I worked hard, that I had a good attitude. And many of the guys in my squadron, I had gone to the Air Force Academy with. So I was, you know, they knew me a little bit. And so this pressure that I put on myself was definitely self-induced pressure. I mean, they, you know, it turns out like I just needed to be credible and capable in the airplane. And that was it. Right, right, right. I love that. I love that you said the 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 plane doesn't care. The jet doesn't care. The jet doesn't know. <laughs> it doesn't even know. Nope. <laughs> Did you feel like there was an undertone of yes, we want you as a woman to succeed in this as much as you want to succeed yourself? Did you yeah. find that you did? I did. I felt like there was this like uncertainty about me at first. Like they just didn't know how to act around me. They just, I mean, I remember in some of the first briefings I had one of the, an older pilot that had been around for a long time. He was like, I've never flown with a girl before. It was like, it was like, he was just a little uncomfortable. And I was like, well, sir, I just, gonna, I'm going to sound a little bit different on the radio, but I think everything else should be okay. Um, it, it, so it was just more of that. It wasn't, um, you know, I, I, I felt very supported and maybe it was because I had, I knew a lot of the, the pilots in the squadron already from my time at the air force Academy. My husband happened to be in a, also an a 10 pilot in the other squadron. So a lot of these people were, were friends, were familiar. Um, and I know that's not been everybody's experience going into something new, but for me, I, I did feel supported. I felt like, I felt like they were my brothers looking out for me and wanting me to succeed. Um, and so it was, it, all in all, I mean, it was tough, but it was a very positive experience. Can you give us one of your most, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? One of the most, uh, the stories, the moments where you felt like you had to, where it was, you had to step into your bravery, where you had to step into the, give us, give us a couple of your favorite stories, top three, give us the top three. I love stories. Yeah. So 
I'll go with the top one first and then we can decide where we want to go from there. <laughs> um, because there is one for me that stands out more than anything. And it is kind of the moment for me where I feel like my entire life and everything that I had done came together in one moment. And it was like all the hard things I had done in life led me to that moment. And it was a moment over Baghdad back in 2003, flying a close air support mission, as we always do, supporting our troops on the ground. And uh, we got a call. Troops are taking fire. They need immediate assistance. And we were going to do everything we could to get in there. Unfortunately, the weather was terrible. So we were just trying to find a way to get down below the weather. Uh, we eventually did. And we could see this firefight happening across the river. And it was just, it was very surreal because it was all these things that we had trained for and planned for. And because of the intensity of the firefight, we start realizing also that, you know, there's, they're actually shooting it up, up at us too. We can see like bright flashes and smoke in the air. We're going to do two passes, reassess, figure things out. And on my last pass coming off target is just when I feel and hear a loud explosion at the back of the airplane. And I knew immediately I was hit. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind, the airplane like dumped over towards the ground, pointing down at Baghdad below. And um, it wasn't responding to any of my control inputs. It was, I mean, it was just plunging to the ground. Yeah, I looked down at my ejection handles thinking like, this is not going to go well if I have to pull my ejection handles and eject out of this airplane, potentially down into Baghdad. And I just decided I was going to, you know, everything kind of reverts to your training at that point and everything that you've done and quickly figured out what was going on. And I had a backup emergency system. So I engaged that system and thankfully the airplane started climbing uh, away from the ground, away from Baghdad. And that was kind of the first time I took like this deep breath of like, okay, I think, I think I might make it out of here alive. Um, oh. yeah. So that moment is probably the, <laughs> the biggest one, but I don't even know that that's, that like was just such a reliance on my training. Like the word bravery doesn't even come into my mind or courage. It's just survival. Right. And I think the hardest part for me on that mission was what happened later, which was now I have to fly this heavily damaged airplane back home. And I don't know if I'm going to live or if I'm going to die out of this, I don't know, you know, am I going to, I'm trying to decide, do I get the airplane back and try to land or do I get it back and just get it to friendly territory and eject? Uh, and I have an hour to contemplate that decision and think through it. Um, and thankfully, you know, I had a wingman by my side. I had somebody to provide that mutual support. We did a lot of talking about what to do and how to handle it and went through a lot of emergency procedures and things. And, um, I decided I was going to land the airplane. Um, that is probably the moment that I had to pull like deep within to have the confidence to keep going and to be confident in my decision. But I will tell you, putting that airplane on the ground was like, it was, it was relief, but it was also this sense of accomplishment that I had just done something that I had no idea I was capable of doing. And then hearing the words from all the guys in my squadron, like that was the moment that I was like, this is the brotherhood. This is what this is all about, you know, and eventually a sisterhood too, there, we had more women, but this is what it's about. This is the, this is what makes it, you know, and it was like everything that I had done in my life prior to that, all those hard things, all the challenges, all the mistakes, all the failures, everything culminated in helping me get through this, this one really difficult moment. I have so many directions right now. 
that I'm just, <laughs> in, I'm just sitting in like, holy moly. So I would call that, that's the result for me. Like, I'm just thinking of <clears throat> metaphorically, cause I always, yeah. metaphors, uh, just how I am. And if it's metaphors of nature, metaphors of experiences, metaphors of moments, and the amount of bravery that it took for you to go through that and the training, the tools, all of the things that you learned as a fifth grader, watching Mm -hmm. that challenger happen, right? Watching the explosion to, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just, okay, so I'm going to go to the Air Force Academy to showing up over and over and over again, writing that letter. Like, Mm -hmm. so I don't know how much you know about what you maybe know an awful lot about trauma, but also how you instill the stories within your cells mm-hmm. right? and how you can rewrite the stories within your cells and how all of what has happened in our, in our past life from our parents, our legacies, that all comes to one moment. Right. Yeah. And so for me, when I'm hearing you, I'm like, holy shit, woman, all of what you, the, every single time that you showed up and you wrote that letter to them, you were like, Nope, I, I belong here. And you were literally training yourself on a cellular level, how to go through that process that led you to that moment to not freak out, to not be like, oh my God, what do I do? Because I can only imagine how many, I mean, you're trained to do that, right? Uh, But how many people in their lives get to a moment like that and they freak out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll, in, in, in full transparency, right? Like I, there were moments, you know, I'd love to say I was hundred percent focused on that whole mission, but an hour is a really long time to contemplate the fact that you may not survive. Right. And I did have, I had terrible thoughts that went through my mind. I had thoughts of not, you know, surviving of crashing, you know, of not being able to do all the things that I wanted to do in life. I mean, my husband and I had been married just a couple of years. We had barely lived together. I hadn't had kids, like all that stuff is going through my mind and then I, I I realized like I can't stay there. I have right. to just push that aside and really focus on the mission and focus on what I'm doing and flying the airplane. I mean, I'm by myself and in the airplane itself. And I just had to, I it was just like this centering of like if I'm gonna survive this, I have to stay focused. I have to focus on what's most important, which is flying the airplane. Um, but it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard. hard to not let that stuff creep in. Well, and I I wanna I wanna just if we may like also go into, this is how people are, you know, that are in, in trauma situations. I mean, for myself included, I remember when my life obliterate, I can't even say it. Obliter- obliterated. <laughs> obliterated. Sorry, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Literally like almost 10 years ago, right. When mm-hmm. it was, it was this high impact. Oh my God, what is this? And I think about when I was in that moment of, okay, well, what was I focused on? I was focused on my children. I was focused on getting back to safety. I was focused on, you know, coming back full center to what is next? What do we need to do to get to that next step, to get to that next space? And I mean, I remember sitting there thinking like, my life has ended. Like, I don't even, what am I going to do here? Like everything is gone. What tools were you using at that moment? Can I ask you that could help other people to, to what that are in that space right now where they're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it out of this. Yeah. I would say several things. One was just like breathing, right? Like 
just take a breath, kind of the calming um, breath and really focusing on what was important. So we learn early in our training, we learn this phrase that is aviate, navigate, communicate. And mm. aviate is like, focus on what's most important, focus on flying the airplane, focus on that one thing that you have to keep doing that you can't stop doing or you, or you fail or the, the mission doesn't go well. And then you navigate then, right. You can open up a little bit more situational awareness and, and navigate a path forward um, and then communicate, right. To let people know if you need help. Um, and that's how we deal with an emergency. We learn to kind of slow down in the moment to prioritize um, so that was, that was definitely like just trying to focus on, you know, there's so many things that you could think about, like all those things that could go wrong. And I realized I just kind of had to center everything and focus on what I could control, right. What right. I had control of, which was not much, but I focused on that, um, and just had to let the other things go. Um, the feelings, the emotions, I, we call it compartmentalizing, it was like, I had to tuck some of those things away and deal with them later. Like I just couldn't do it in the moment. Um, I worry because sometimes that can be unhealthy if you tuck those away and don't ever open it back up. Um, and honestly, for me, I, I didn't deal with this mission until after I came home from the war. Um, I just couldn't, I needed to keep flying missions. I was really focused on the other missions I was flying and um, so I don't know, I like, uh, this is not my area of expertise, so I don't advocate that that's necessarily a healthy approach, but it was what worked for me in the moment. Right, right, right. No. And I, and I think that I definitely think that sometimes that is, that is what's necessary to, to get it, get everything to safety and then unwrap it, unpack yeah. it, take a look at it when you can. Wow. And also the wingman thing is huge. I think that yes. you know, having a wingman in whatever it is, I think about that often. My brother was my wingman when my life yeah. literally like he yeah. he was the one that called me and said, you know what? I'm gonna come out. Let's walk the beach. Let's figure this out. I'm there for you. I'm not leaving you. And that was I love that. Sweetest, I know it was the sweetest thing. I'll never I I had a wingman with me on that mission, right? He was my flight lead, but he right. was my wingman in that moment. And I think about this, like, I was so overwhelmed. Like all I could do was try to control that airplane. I had zero situational awareness of everything else that was going on around me. I mean, the fact that the enemy's still shooting at me, you know, he's saying things quite honestly, very directively because we don't have time for a conversation. You know, my right. airplane is not controllable and he's telling me to put out more chaff and flare. So the enemy doesn't hit my airplane again. It's countermeasures that we put out, think top gun, bright, big flares, um, and then he's telling me to come West and I'm like, I'm like, I can barely control this airplane. Why do you want me to go West? Well, that's where the friendly location was. He's thinking ahead. Like if I have to eject, then at least my parachute comes down over friendlies. But like, I just didn't have the awareness for that, but he did. Um, and I think that's the thing, right? Like a wingman is there to have your back, to help you see the bigger picture, to help you make good decisions in a really difficult situation. And, you know, I've had. 20 years to reflect on this mission. But what I've realized is that those, those same wingman concepts, right? This idea of having a wingman by your side, isn't just for an airplane. It's not just for flying. It's about life. It's about business. It's about everything. Having somebody on your team that will provide that mutual support when you need it. A wingman isn't just going to be like all the support all the time. They're also going to hold you accountable and encourage you and challenge you. And I think that's you know, that's the other, other piece of it is that they hold us accountable for the things that we say we're going to do or the things that we don't do. Yeah. I love, gosh, I love it. I love it. Isn't it interesting though, that the, 
the path that we take in our careers also reflects so much with what we are also learning within our life. I mean, of course, yeah, I was an art teacher. I was all, you know, creativity and all that stuff, which got me into the work that I'm doing today. So yeah. who would have thought it's, it's, it's so cool. Okay. So that was your time. That was your top. That was my top. I don't know. The others just don't compare. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your book. How did you come up with this book? What made you want to write a book? Was this like, oh, I'm in fifth grade. Not only am I going to go into the Air Force Academy, but I'm going to write a book someday and help people. So what? Far from it. Far from it. (laughs) Yeah. The book book actually actually came came about about because my final time at the Air Force Academy, I um, was instructing, I was teaching in the military and strategic studies department. And one of the other professors was like, Kim, you know, you should write a book. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. We'll see. And then over the the holiday break, it's, it's fairly quiet. All the cadets have gone home and he was like, okay, so I'll get, I'll see your first chapter um, here in a week. How's that sound? (laughs) I was like, what? So he really encouraged me to start writing. And oh, he was your wingman. He was my wingman. Yeah. And he was all the way through because I just started writing. You know, I didn't really have, I, I feel like I did this backwards in terms of how they tell you to write a book with an outline and key chapters. And I just started writing, which would, felt very good to me. I, I love to edit. So I just wanted to write, get my thoughts out on paper and just kind of see where the book would take me. And, you know, I think having having just retired, you know, there's just just a time of a lot of reflection in my life. And I realized that as I look back on my career, there are so many times where I was afraid, but I never wanted to admit it because I thought it would make me look weak or vulnerable. And what I realized in all those moments, whether it was walking up the ramp to the Air Force Academy or walking into my fighter squadron on day one, taking off on a tough close air support mission or or even things related to my kids with my husband deploying for a year and I was the mom at home, like all of those moments, I felt fear. I was worried. I was nervous about it. The fear, those feelings aren't what matter. Like it's about taking action, acknowledging it, but taking action in the face of fear. It was was all about what you do in those moments that truly matters the most. And so that is what the book is centered around is this idea that in our life, whether it's personal or professional life, I mean, in many times in leadership scenarios, I have been nervous about the steps that I will take or the actions that I will make. And I realize that it's all about doing it anyway, right? Being afraid and doing it anyway. In any way. And that's the idea behind the book is that we face fear in our lives. It's not just about flying an airplane over Baghdad, right? It's not life or death situations. It is fear of not meeting expectations, fear of change, fear of the unknown, you name it. It is all about what we do in those moments that matters the most. That's why the book's called Flying in the Face of Fear. Uh, and then it's all these these lessons that I've learned uh, through stories and experiences um, and this idea of being able to share those stories with others. And I just want to state that when she's talking flying in the face of fear, it's not only just simply flying in fear. It's literally about you are flying in fear all the time as humans. It's yes. we, we literally are flying in fear. Do you ever put yourself in fearful situations just because? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I would say that like, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie anyway. Like I love to, I ski. knew you would say yes. <laughs> I would. I love to ski fast. I do mountain biking, although I'm taking a little break because I went over the handlebars and broke my arm. Um, oh. So, you know, but I, I love 
um, those moments. And I will tell you, like, there's moments, you know, where I've been doing those things and, and there's a little bit of fear. I mean, pretty, some pretty, um, awesome hikes that sometimes I'm like, wow, I got myself in a pretty little good predicament here, you know, just where I'm at. Um, and so, you know, I don't know that I, I don't like watching horror movies or anything like that, that right. kind of fear, right. um, but more from the outdoor adrenaline challenge maybe is more the right word. I think maybe challenge versus fear. Um, but I love it. I love a good challenge. Yeah. I definitely find myself putting myself into those situations where sometimes unexpectedly, like when I climbed my first mountain in the dark, it's only because my friend went to the wrong trailhead. Thank you very much, Ellie. It taught me everything. (laughs) Honestly, the book is scary to me, like getting the book out there. It's like, I told my husband a few times in writing the book, like, am I like, I'm going to write this book and am I going to have the courage to publish it, like to put it out in the world? And of course he laughs. He's like, Kim, you will, you're going to, but doing things like that, of pushing myself outside my comfort zone. I say it's scary because it's, it's vulnerable, right. To put your ideas and thoughts out there. And these are some of the things in my life that are so important to me that have had such a significant impact on my life. And so there is a little bit of that fear associated with putting yourself out there like that. So yeah, I mean, I guess I do, right? It's all about pushing yourself outside your comfort zone so that you can learn and develop and grow even, you know, at this stage of my life and career. It's it's the most I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can do. In fact, I know it is. Like I yeah. I personally in my own life have found that it's been the most transformative thing is not staying in safe. Yeah. Because when we stay in safe, we become so comfortable with that that we don't understand what we're truly capable of by stepping into that space that is fear driven might feel unsafe, but actually becomes your safe. So all you're doing is growing your comfort zone and growing what's possible in your life, which is super cool because guess what? A lot of shit's going to happen to you. Like happened to you when you were over Baghdad and Mm -hmm. what would you have done? Had you have not have prepared for all of, for that moment, your entire life. Yeah. And I even look back on that moment and as terrifying as it was, as challenging, as hard, as difficult as, you know, all those feelings that I felt on that mission. Like I look at the good, quite honestly, that came out of it. There's so much that I learned from that mission that made me a better pilot, but it made me a better person, a better leader, a better wife, a mom, all of these things because of this one moment that allowed me to prioritize my life a little bit and reflect on what was most important. So I don't know. I feel like sometimes those hardest, most terrible things, we really come out stronger and better on the other side. The thing that I think that so many people, uh, if I can encourage people, it's literally to sit back in some of those moments, those most transformative moments and and peel it back even more. And what more can I learn from that? You know, yeah. Um, and that's what makes the greatest stories of our life, I think, which now is published and out in the world, by the way, just so you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sure is. Yep, sure is. <laughs> Too late now. The book showed up yesterday. So <laughs> you have um, do you have a copy of it by chance near I you? Do. I would love for you to like put yeah. this up there so everybody can mm. see it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's go get your copy, flying in the face of fear. It's absolutely beautiful. I love. I love the fact that you could take all of these, these stories and these, uh, these moments and put them into something that can be so helpful for so many people that do live in fear every single day. 
Right. That And that's my hope, right? Like that's the purpose behind the book. That's why I decided to take that leap of faith, right? And put it out there and put it into the world is I know the number of people that have made a difference in my life just by sharing their stories and their experiences with me. So why wouldn't I do the same? And I feel a little bit like surviving that mission and making it home safely, safely. Like I almost feel like a responsibility to share what I learned, you know, that that's, that's the point. Help other people share your experiences to help others. What is what, if you could give us a couple of your most, uh, like, what are you, what's your routine like to stay in the space of continuing to, uh, to be brave and to put yourself out there? I mean, I'm sure it's shifted from the fifth grade when you made this decision to then yeah. showing up and writing the letters and continuing that repetition. But the woman that you are today, how do you keep in this space? I think what, for me, what I've realized over time is that when I start feeling that fear about something, I can, I can feel it. Like it starts like a little nervousness and worry. And I can tell, cause I'm constantly thinking about it. Like it's always on my mind and I'm like, okay, what's wrong? Like I really drill down into like, what is bothering me about this? What is my concern? And it, this is something like if I have to have a difficult conversation or, you know, who knows, maybe it's a, a difficult like meeting coming up or something. There's something that's bothering me about it. I really drill down into why am I feeling this way? What am I feeling? But for me, I've realized that like, if I just put in some work to prepare for that moment, so I do whatever preparation I can do by looking at what I've done in the past, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, if there's studying involved, you name it, I do that piece. But I'm also big into practicing and, and talking through it, visualizing, or mm-hmm. we used to chair fly in our to before a flying mission, which means you sit in a chair, you visualize like you're in the cockpit, you do the radio calls. Um, but it was like a little freebie mission. And I feel the same way now. Like if I have to have a difficult conversation and I'm worried about it, I'm going to walk through that conversation or I'm going to talk to somebody about it and actually talk through the conversation, but just practicing it and giving myself just a little bit of like, okay, I can get through this. And then the other thing that has been helpful for me is actually thinking about what am I afraid about? Like, what is that worst case scenario? What are, what are these contingencies that could happen? Let me just take a minute to think about them, realize what I will do in that moment if it happens, and then I can just let it go. Yeah. Maybe not completely, but I, it doesn't consume my energy and my time. Right. Uh, So for me, that preparation piece has been huge, you know, to be able to think through things, spend the time, think about it. Then I become more competent. Like I feel just more confident because of that. I've taken the time to really put in the work. Um, And that has really helped me to, in those really difficult moments to step up and take action. Yeah. 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 That's repetition. Yep. And it's that it's, it's doing it over and over and over again and doing it even when it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. And because I I don't know about you, but I found the heart only stays there for so long. If you work through that piece and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, like, why did I, why was I worrying so much about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what was the problem? And, and I mean, it's, oh, it's okay to feel that way, but you got to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so you have two kids, right? I do. And how old two are boys. they? Two boys. I have two boys that are 10 and 14. How is it raising them through this space? I'm always curious about the parenting aspect. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, they, they have a way of like reminding me at one, what's important in life, you know, keeping me grounded and centered. Um, but you know, they, they grew up like with two parents that flew airplanes and, you know, for them, they were just like, ah, oh, you know, 
it's another day. We got to go out to the flight line. And, you know, they just, they didn't really realize what it was all about. Um, they're getting a little bit older now. They kind of, you know, they start asking more questions and, uh, you know, we, we're doing our best. I don't know that we always get this parenting thing right, but we're certainly trying. Yeah. Well, I know that one for a fact too. What is next for you? It's a great question. I just retired from the Air Force about a year and a half ago. And this is really the start of my my next chapter in terms of finding this new passion and purpose, which I have found in just this idea of impacting a new generation of leaders and being able to give back a little bit in some way and to serve in some way and to share those stories. So for me, it's the book is coming out. I've been doing some executive coaching and keynote speaking and just having the opportunity to connect with people to share some stories and some lessons learned, um, you know, and spending more time with my family is really um, an, an opportunity now to really focus on that when I haven't always had that opportunity in the past. I was going to ask you about that. Was that hard? Was that hard having to take off and not be with your little guys? Yeah. And, and, you know, my husband and I both being pilots and both having to deploy, like we got it. It was a little bit easier when it was the two of us. And then when kids come along deploying for six months, when I had a one-year-old was probably the lowest point of my career, the lowest point of my life where I questioned what I was doing, why I was doing it. And, uh, really thought that I would leave the air force at that point. And, um, you know, it turns out everything happened, you know, everything went just fine. And my son didn't remember that I was gone. He still doesn't to this day. Um, and getting through that, you know, I clearly didn't, I stayed another, I think 11 years after that. So, um, but that was hard. That was really, really tough. Um, and, uh, glad to have gotten through it and put it behind me. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I was teaching and I had a mom come up to me and it was after I had my second son and she said, I just want to let you know that it's hard it's hard working when you have children. Yeah. And she said, Sarah, they need you actually more when they're older than they do when they're younger. Yeah. And I, oh, thought, I can see that. Yeah. And I thought, I, I remember being like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're, what you're saying, but that's crazy. And she, I have to say she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. I think people transitioning out of the military really struggle with this of finding a new tribe, right? Cause they've been in a tribe, they've been in this camaraderie, this sense of camaraderie environment. And so to leave that now, that's, I think where a lot of the struggle comes from. So finding a tribe and finding your people and finding this new passion and purpose is, is so critical. And, um, you know, it's critical across the board just to, to find your tribe, to have your wingmen, uh, to have those people around you, um, makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Transitioning in from, from anything and into anything is, is definitely, that's, that's a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. And damn it, you people, like, be brave and do yes. it afraid. Like, please, it's not easy, but please, if anything, and please, if anything, look at look at your situation, look at my situation, look at so many other people that have risen outside of uh, and found their, their passion, their purpose, their love for life. It can be done. It can be done. I agree. Absolutely be done. So c- tell us where we can find you give your, give your, where can people buy the book? When can they buy the book? How can they reach you? Where can people find you? All that stuff. So uh, you can find me probably easiest way that has links to everything else is on my website, which is kim-kc-campbell.com. The book is out new. This is the first, like the first day that I've actually had this book in my hands. So, uh, but it does not come out until March 8th and it is available for pre-order now, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. 
all your uh, favorite booksellers out there. But I would love for people to reach out and connect through LinkedIn or whatever means they can um, just to have a conversation and follow up on any questions that maybe we didn't answer. Yeah, most definitely. And when you do read the book, please do everybody. And, and when you listen to this, do the both of us a favor and share it with your people. This is how we be our wingmen, please. Take this and spread it out into the world. Wing women, whatever you want to call. And uh, I know I'm like, I'm like, what are you supposed to? I don't even know. Uh, and tag us, like tag you, tag me and let us reshare it into our social media as well so that we can keep it going and flying into the world. Because literally we need more, we need more of this. We definitely need more of this. So thank you for being here. Thank I, you for having me. I want to have give you any other, um, is there any last minute thing that you would like to sh share with uh, our listeners? Any last bit of tips, bits of information, anything? Well, I think you said a little bit of it already, right? Like if you're afraid, do it anyway. Like what I've realized is like, first off, you can't have courage without some fear, right? So mm -hmm. it's all about what you do when you are scared in that moment. That's what matters the most. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you for being in my tribe. I love it. <laughs> Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahsholtoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.